previously on Kicking and Streaming. Last time we met Celie Harris, who was horribly sold by her rapist father, who she has two children by, to another rapist to care for his children and take care of his property while he does nothing. Yeah, just to be his mother and his waitress. And then she's forced to grow up learning how to read, all while being constantly abused by this person. And then she's made to care for his mistress, mm-hmm. who helps her find herself a little bit. Oh, and it's going to get real gay. Miss Suge Avery gets real gay with Celie and shows her that it's pretty when she smiles and she's pretty no matter what. But not gay enough, right? Not gay enough. Not no. gay, not as gay as the book is. No, we're panning away to wind chimes when the ladies are kissing. But... Uh, we were robbed. We were honestly robbed. <laughs> and w- as soon as the moment as Celie has found a sliver of hope, Shug Avery is off to Memphis, Tennessee, isn't she? Yeah, and the last time we left Celie, she just collapsed on the ground, devoid of all hope. Oh, it's wrenching. Mm-hmm. But guys, it's going to be a little lighter this week. Uh, things are about to get better for Celie. Not so much for other characters. No, not at all. Uh, we do still have some brutality and some white privilege and horribleness to get through, but... <laughs> It is going to be it, it is going to be a good ending, I promise you. We, we'll all be sobbing. Yeah, we'll all we'll, uncontrollably sobbing. We've, we've already sobbed a little bit. We'll be sobbing some more. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you're here with me. <laughs> I am too. He's taking my hand. <laughs> Happy Black History Month. Happy Black History <laughs> Month. All right. Let's get on with part two. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where sinners have soul too. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are covering part two of our two-part series on the 1985 adaptation of Alice Walker's Pulitzer Prize winning novel... The Color Purple. Yes, Alice Walker. Thanks, hon. Thanks for putting this out there. Thanks for letting Steven do it. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that clip from the last episode where he was talking about how he had to audition for her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're GD right you do, Steven. I had to audition for her. Yeah. I mean, damn right you did, Steven. <laughs> this week, we've got the strength, the hope, the music. Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. If you want to write the show, you can do so at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. If you've got some extra cash this month, for just $5, you can go support us on Patreon. Go ahead. I'm a patron, guys. <laughs> yes, you are. I want the I want the content, so I... Oh, no, now they think we're desperate. Because <laughs> one of its own creators is... <laughs> paying for it. You just want to be able to hear the content when it comes out. Yeah, I want to have access to it. <laughs> I love it that much, guys. You listen to your own podcast? And you will too. <laughs> You're like that picture of Lana Del Rey walking down the street with headphones in and people are like, what do you think she's listening to? Her it's, own music. Yeah, her own music. <laughs> Probably. All right. All the laughs got to stop. They do. We got to get started. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not funny, is it? It's, <laughs> it's quite serious. It's quite serious. Uh... Okay, I'm gonna 
go through this as fast as I possibly can. I don't think you should go through it too fast. Th- this 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 chunk of the movie, I'm not trying to gloss over Sophia's part of the narrative entirely, but it's a lot of awful all at once. So bear with me here. Sophia is in town with Henry Broadnax filling up the filling up the jihabi, and the, what was that word? The jihabi. <laughs> The jobby. The, the car. And the mayor of Eatonton is in town with his wife. And Miss Millie, who is the mayor's wife, played by Dana Ivy, white lady with white lady problems. Uh, she basically views Sophia's children as puppies. Yeah, no, I have in my notes, not Dana Ivy ogling her children like they're puppy dogs. <laughs> you know the footage of Nancy Pelosi playing with a little black girl's hair? I want to scream. <laughs> like, that's what I felt when I watched that. It was what George I... Floyd's daughter, and she's touching her fucking hair. Like, Ooh, so pretty. Your children are so clean. Would you like to work for me? Be my maid? Hell no. What did you say? Hell no. What did she say? Guys, that's all Sophia says. Yeah, I know. Is hell no. She committed no crime. It takes three other people making her repeat herself. Three other white people making her repeat herself. And the mayor comes up to her and gives her a smack for what she said to his wife. Assaults her in the street. And you know what you don't do? You don't hit Sophia! Sophia hits back. Don't hit anybody, but really don't hit Sophia. I love Swain, because he witnesses the whole thing. He's like, oh no, Miss Sophia, don't do it. <laughs> oh my god. This would turn out to be the worst decision of her entire life. No, Miss Sophia, no! She hits the mayor, knocks him to the ground, and then a white mob ensues around her. Oh my god. Calling her every name in the book, demeaning her at every turn. The sheriff comes up and pistol whips her not too long before Swain makes it away with her children. Oh, he hits her hard. He hits her hard enough to cause permanent physical damage. In the book, it's said that she's put in prison for 12 years for that one incident. Now, granted, the time jump in the movie is only eight years because we moved to fall 1930. And we can see that Sophia's mental state has completely deteriorated while in prison. Her children were raised without her. Her life was completely taken away from her. Mm-hmm. Because she had the audacity to put a white woman in her place. Dear God, after many years, they let Sophia out of jail just to put her in the next. She ended up being Miss Millie maid after all. Maya bought Miss Millie a new car, and she done asked Sophia to teach her how to drive it. Poor Sophia, stuck with Miss Millie for the rest of her life. When she's finally released from prison, In order to survive, she ends up being Miss Millie's maid anyway. What a fucking hell. We've seen some horrible things in this movie already. When I saw that part again, I was like, oh no. Oh no. I have written in big capital letters, okay, we're going to talk about evil fucking Christmas. That's what I have written. (laughs) Oh my god! Um, I was, I was... I, I need to settle down. You do. Because You're yelling a lot. I'm going to be <laughs> hoarse. I'm going to be absolutely hoarse. Ms. Millie is zooming around town in this new car. Yeah, you know, in a time when cars had, like, just gotten that far south. I don't understand.
understand why it has to be Sophia who teaches her how to drive this car. I don't know. Because she's a white person and needs to be babied. Like, oh my god. After they do their shopping, which Celie gets her through, by the way. When they're in the general store, Sophia's looking at the list of everything she needs to get for Millie. And she can't read it. She can't see it properly. Because her eye's damaged. Yeah, literally damaged from the blow that the mayor gave her. Mm-hmm. And Celie just takes the list out of her hand and starts filling up the bag with everything she needs to help her. So that she doesn't get chastised by Millie. And how grateful Sophia is for Celie being there in that moment. What Millie says is that she's going to take her to visit her family for Christmas. Do you hear what I said, Sophia? I'm going to drive you home tomorrow. Home? Yes, home. You had not seen your children in a while, have you? No, I ain't seen them in about eight years. That's a shame. <laughs> Tomorrow's Christmas. You can stay all day. You can stay all day. This horrible, entitled white woman thinks she's a saint for driving Sophia back to her family so she can see them for Christmas. The family she hasn't seen in eight years? Yeah, hasn't seen them in eight years, not even since she got out of prison. She takes her out to Sophia's family, and she goes in the house and... Millie says, I'll be back for you at the end of the day. She hasn't seen her children in eight years. They're almost grown up now. Mm-hmm. And she's walking around the house looking at pictures and looking at everybody. And so much life has happened. And they're just like, you know, Miss Sophia, what's wrong? Aren't you happy to see us? And what breaks me in half. Mama, why are you crying? Because I don't know y'all no more. She literally is having trouble remembering who some of these people are because of the abuse she's faced in prison. Oh my goodness. It's a lot. Guys, I'm sorry. It's a rough one. I know it's been a lot. But But like that's why like that's that is why we have to be so critical of the criminal justice system, right? Because if you don't get it right, and sometimes even when we do get it, quote, right, we still put people away for petty offenses for years. They lose everything. They lose everything. They lose contact with their families, with the outside world. And then they don't know how to live when you let them back out. Yeah. And then, like, the recidivism pipeline is insane. And that causes generational ripples. Outside. Millie is trying to uh, put the car back into gear and she can't get it. And so the men in Sophia's family, in order to prevent Millie from driving her car into their house, are trying to stop the vehicle. They're like throwing themselves on the hood of the car to get her to stop. And uh, Millie takes this as an attack. Of course she does, because she's a wealthy white woman. She runs out of that car screaming, thinking she's going to be assaulted by all of these black men in Sophia's family. Sophia tries to calm her down. And is like, listen, I could have, I could have, you know, my brother take you back or my sister. And she's like, I came riding a car with some strange colored man. I'll ask my sister, so does squeeze in? 
way I have more time with my children. I don't know her either. She won't go back with anybody but Sophia. So Sophia doesn't get to spend Christmas with her family at all after all. I'm What an evil fucking I hope she's dead in a ditch. I know you're fictional, Miss Millie, but I hope you're dead in a ditch. I just couldn't believe that. I could As soon as I heard her futzing with the clutch outside. You knew something was going to go wrong. I knew it was going to go wrong. And I was like, no, this movie is an endless parade of misery at times. Sorry. No, I know. It's, it's also very beautiful. It's just, it's so, I'm so raged. So guess who shows back up to the Johnsons? Shug. And guess what? She's got a husband. <laughs> and a nice yellow car. Oh, I love that car. I hate yellow on vehicles. I like yellow on that vehicle. It is a very nice car. Oh, Miss Seeley. I've heard so much about you. Feels like we old friends. Miss Grady. This my husband. Well, I've been driving all night. No place to stop, you know. But here us is. Well, how are you? We're fine. Got colds, though. Yeah. Seely and Albert are pissed. I love how Gray, who is Suge's husband, Gray is, like, into Seely, and, like, Suge's, like, obviously here for Albert. Uh-huh. And uh, the way that... <laughs> the way that they're like, how y'all doing? Having a nice day? And I love the, like, silent telepathy happening between Albert and Seely, where she's like, yeah, we're okay. We got colds, though. <laughs> and then they both sniff on cue, because we know they're here to fuck them. Yeah. Isn't that just kind of gross? Like, I'm conflicted about Suge the entire movie, because, mm-hmm. like, there are moments where I'm like, oh, my God, Suge, thank you for giving a little bit of yourself to Seely. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like... Shug, you're being really fucking problematic about Albert and everything. Yeah, and you're making, like, maybe some not great choices. Yeah. Like, come on, honey. You know what, though? She does get back on my good list pretty quickly. Shug is enjoying the fact that Albert and Gray are kind of getting along. Yeah, they're buddies. And uh, she hears the mail coming outside, and she goes to get it. In the mail, there is a letter from Nettie to Seely. <gasps> Remember, Albert is always really paranoid about the mail, right? Right. Never let Seely open the mailbox. Suge takes Seely up to Seely's bedroom. They barricade themselves and they read this letter from Nettie. Dear Seely, I know you think I'm dead, but I am not. I've been writing to you over the years. But Albert said you'd never hear from me again, and since I never heard from you all this time, I guess he was right. What Celie realizes through this letter is that Nettie's been writing to her for years. Literally decades at this point since they've been separated. She never, remember, only death could keep her from it. She's not dead. And she says in the letter, she's every letter, she she's at this point, because this is, we're getting to the 30s, we're in the 30s now. She, at this point, she only ever writes at Christmas and Easter, because she knows Albert is probably keeping the letters from her, and Celie has never written her back. Mm-hmm. She obviously knows that Albert's keeping it from her. And the way Suge just made sure that this letter got into Celie's hands, I love her. 
I love her for it because it's got big information in it. Celia learns a lot through this letter. Yeah, this was a huge exposition dump. She learns that Nettie decided to join Preacher Samuel and his wife Corinne from earlier in the movie, the wealthy black woman. The lady you met in town is named Corinne. Her husband named Samuel. Sanctified religious and very good to me. They only sorrow in the beginning was that they could not have chillings. And then they say... And they say... God sent them Olivia and Adam. We learn that Nettie went with them as missionaries to go live in Africa, and that not only is Nettie living with Corinne, Samuel, and Olivia, but that they also have Adam, Celie's first child. How did that even happen? Alfonso sold Adam to them, too. He sold both of his children to that family, Mm -hmm. and now Nettie is with them. She has her kids. And they're being raised in love. In Africa. And this is this is just so much for Celie to take in. I got the two children. The knees alive. Get up, Olivia and Adam. The knees alive. It's so nice. And, um, but here's the thing. It's the hope. It kind of gets to Celie that, uh, Nettie and her children are having this nice life helping people in Africa while she is here stuck in hell with Albert and that Albert stole the love out of her life entirely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Has been keeping her sister from her for years. So, um, she decides she might just slit his throat while she's shaving him on the porch. This moment. That razor looks dull to me, Miss Seeley. But sorry, guys, she doesn't get to kill him. Suge stops her before it happens. But, like, I just, just, I could see it in her eyes. I'm like, she's going to kill him. She's going to kill him in broad daylight on the front porch with dozens of witnesses watching. Celie, no! But here we've come to the dinner. This scene is amazing. I don't know what we're celebrating here or why we're all together, because this isn't really a family that gets together, you know? I think it's Thanksgiving. But we've got... Mr. Senior here. We've got Albert. We've got Suge and Gray. Harpo's there. I'm going to call her Mary Agnes. Mary Agnes is there. Mrs. Harpo. Squeak. Yes. Squeak's there. Sophia's there with a couple of her kids because it's still Harpo and Sophia's kids. Yeah. You know, they're there with them. And of course, Celie's there. They're sitting around drinking, talking, and Suge tells Albert it's time for them to get going again and that they're going to take Celie with them. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! Albert is triggered. Ooh. Threatened. And he literally turns to her and goes, Now what wrong with you? You a low down dirty dog. That's what's wrong. It's time for me to get away from you. And into creation. And your dead body be just the welcome mat I need. 
the way she's like, it's time for me to get away from you and out into creation. It's almost like she's still a child. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she's she's basically been in an abuse prison her entire life. And has been arrested in development. And like, Harpo pipes up and goes, Sit up! <laughs> Ain't no bad little woman life at a man. <laughs> Sophia comes alive again. She starts laughing. Sophia hasn't laughed in 10 years. And the way she goes, I no bad luck. Keep me laughing the rest of my life. Sat in that jail, sat in that jail down nearby, done rot to death. I know what it like, Miss Celia. Want to go somewhere and can't. I know what it like. Want to say, have it beat out you. And she says that when she looks at Celie, she knows there's a God because of everything that Celie has done for her. Oh my God. To help her. Like proof of God's benevolence and love on earth. Yeah. I remember that day I was in the store, Miss Millie. I was feeling real down. I was feeling mighty bad. And when I see you, I know there is a God. I know there is a God. And one day I was going to get to come home. And Sophia's just back. She's piling food on her plate and she's like, Sophia home now. Things are going to be changing around here. And isn't this the part where Celie almost kills him with that knife? Again. (laughs) Again! She's almost killed him like three different times. Albert says that Suge can make it, but Celie can't. Oh, here we go. Penny in my money, not one thin dime. Did I ever ask you for anything? I don't Did I ever ask you for anything? I never asked you for nothing, not even your sorry ass hand in marriage. Nothing. I never asked you for nothing. Seely! Yes, Seely! <laughs> yes, Seely! Yes! Get it out, girl! Get it out! And he's basically telling her that she can't do anything. She takes that knife and stabs it on the table <laughs> across from him. I was like, yes, yes, kill his ass, please! <laughs> and holds the knife to his throat. Seely, no! I until you do right by me, everything you think about is going to crumble. Don't do it, Miss Seal. Don't trade places with what I've been through. He ain't worth it. He ain't worth it. Albert's like, you'll be back. And they're like, they're trying to pull Seely out of the house. And he's like, who do you think you is? You can't cost nobody. Look at you. You're black. You're poor. You're ugly. You're a woman. You're nothing at all. You do right by me. Everything you even think about gonna fail. Uh, and I'm like, oh fuck, Seely, alright. Doesn't that make your ass leak? <laughs> and they get her out into the car, and she's getting into the car, and he walks up to her to strike her. And this is one of my favorite moments in the film. Knock you up She just holds her hand out to him and she goes, Everything you've done to me. Already done to you. I love the way that this stops him. This stops him and actually makes him think. 
And he sees the power behind her eyes. Yeah. It would freak me out. Gray's pulling them all away in the car. Also, Squeak's going with. I forgot to mention. <laughs> it's Squeak, Shug, Gray, and Celie. They're going to Memphis. And the car's pulling away. And Celie says this beautiful thing. She's like, I'm poor. Black. I may even be ugly. But dear God, I'm here. I'm here. That's so great. Seely. Can I say one thing? This should have been the end of the movie. I know. (laughs) But like, I'm also glad it's not. Because my favorite part's coming up. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, so guys, this is very predictable. She goes to Memphis with Suge. And lives a little bit. And yeah, she actually gets to enjoy some freedom, some independence. She actually gets to become a person. She gets to be her own person now. She's getting to spread her wings. She's not timid and clenched and in fear all the time. She starts a business. Yeah. Miss Seely's Folk Pants. I love that so much. (laughs) You want to join my band, Miss Seely's Folk Pants? (laughs) And guys, (laughs) I'm laughing my ass off because Albert's homestead completely falls apart without her. Yeah, no, because... Seely cursed him. Yeah. She cursed his life. She also did all of the labor around there. He's getting drunk and... You know, wasted all the time. And his kids are pretty much grown, so there's not even any kids around to boss around and do chores. That house is falling apart. Oh my god. His fields are empty, his animals are dead. When Mr. Senior comes to visit his son and he's looking around like, y'all be ashamed of yourself, boy. Look at this mess. Why don't you die, Mr. (laughs) Senior? I'm sick of you like I'm sick of him. This Also, this film does an amazing job of aging these actors. Yeah, it is pretty good for practical 80s makeup effects. Think of Mr. at the beginning and then Mr. at the end. Yeah. Think of Harpo at the beginning mm-hmm. and Harpo at the end. Even with Seeley, Whoopi Goldberg is 20-something years old. Yeah. And she looks like she's in her 50s. It's the magic of movie makeup, baby. Spielberg, keep going. Keep doing it. Speaking of dead dads. Yes, Alfonso Harris has finally died. Thank the Lord. And you know what? Seeley goes to his funeral, and she in voiceover, she's basically telling us that she learns that Alfonso's not her real father. But then, Nettie writes that my real daddy lives. My mama married this dead man two years after my real daddy dead. My children, not my sister and brother. Paul, not Paul. And that's not really expanded upon a lot, but she's just thankful to herself that her children are not her brother and sister. It's explained in the book, actually, that her real father was a rather wealthy man and Mm -hmm. had a business in their town. But white business owners were jealous of his success and killed him for it. It drove her mother into survival mode. So she had to marry Alfonso to have some kind of support. And then she died and her poor children were left to Alfonso's devices. And she's going through the church and also the fit, Seely. Oh, yes. She looks regal as fuck. She's amazing. She's got her own money now. Yeah, because what happened with daddy's estate? It was never Alfonso's land. We're just now finding this out. This is new information for us that he was one not her biological father, and two, the land they lived on was not Alfonso's land. It was land that belonged to her father, 
which her mother inherited via his estate, and her mother left it to Seely. She has her own land now. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. <laughs> the after after his widow pulls away and she's looking at the house through her glasses, she shakes her shimmy. Yeah, I love it. Just like Sugar always taught her to. Oh my god, she's so happy. She's got a home now. I know a home of her own. It's something that's actually hers. That's not controlled by anybody else. It's so good. God, God, I've needed it. I've needed it. There's this scene where. Suge and Celie are walking through that field of purple flowers. And I love that Celie in voiceover tells us, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Suge and Celie are talking about God and the power of God. And this is where Suge gives us our titular line. But more than anything, God loves admiration. You saying God is vain? No, no, not vain. Just wanting to share a good thing. I think it pisses God off if you walk by the color purple in a field and don't notice it. I think this is really nice book ending, especially not only from a narrative perspective, but also from a film perspective, because this film began in a field of purple flowers. Mm-hmm. Are you saying it just want to be loved like it's saying in the Bible? Yeah, Celie. Everything want to be loved. Us sing and dance and holler. Just trying to be loved. And I mean, like, I agree with Suge entirely. In the book, Suge tells Celie that we need to stop thinking of God as him and more of as it. Why do you think that is? Because I think it's more peaceful for Christians to accept God as an entity rather than a big man sitting on a cloud in the sky controlling your fate. And I I think that it's more helpful to think of God as an energy in your life and not the sole entity controlling your fate. And what Celie says is you're saying the color purple wants to just wants to be loved. Yeah. And Suge is like, that's what everybody wants is just to be loved. Oh my God. Which is what Celie has wanted her whole life yeah. and has finally gotten in friends that she acquired along the way. People um, who came into her life and saved her. Yeah. Sophia and Suge and hell, even Squeak and Gray and even Harpo there at the end. Yeah. Finally gets in her, you know, in her life in a good way. I almost think that Celie would think more of Harpo as a brother than a son at the end of everything. Yeah. All right, folks. Let's wrap this up. Oh my God. Is this it? Is this the song? This is my favorite part. <laughs> we get this nice scene. Albert's sitting on his porch. He can hear the church choir singing down the road. The juke joint is also popping. <laughs> Shug is singing Miss Seeley's Blues. Everyone's having a good time. There's two kinds of church. Juke joint and preacher's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost like we're having this dueling banjos thing. Preacher Avery's getting annoyed because you can hear the juke joint over his sermon. Like, could you stop sinning while I'm singing? And one of the ladies in the uh, congregation is like, Sing God's trying to tell you something. That's a nice, loud song. We'll drown out the sinning. (laughs) We'll drown out the sinning. Everybody's having a cocktail before 11 a.m. on a Sunday. Nothing quite strikes me like this chord. Quincy Jones. Doug stops singing at the juke joint. 
Because she's been struck. Oh, <laughs> yeah. She used to sing this song all the time as a child. And she hears it being sung, and she makes the band, st- the band stops playing. She's like, why did Suge stop singing? She goes up to Swain, and she's taking his hand, and Swain's like, are you okay? What's wrong? <laughs> What's going on behind your eyes there, honey? And she starts singing it, too. Speak, Lord. Speak to me. She just starts feeling the spirit move through her. She literally walks back across the bayou and out into the road, and everyone starts following Suge to the church. <laughs> like, everybody, like, the, music- the musicians pick up their instruments, start walking behind her. And, like, it's, like, inside the church, there's this lovely young lady in the choir who's trying to be the lead vocalist and sing the song, but she keeps stopping because she's hearing a voice coming from outside the church, and like, it's Suge. Th- that's my part. Well, who's, who's singing my part? Part. And just ugh, Quincy, I can't get enough of it. This is such a this part of the movie actually has me believing in God. Yeah, and you know me. You don't normally. I don't normally, and it makes you feel spiritual. And like she's she's walking up to the church and she's almost to the doors, and oh my God, I love it when it ramps up. church doors and start going up the aisle towards Uh, the reverend. It's so good. Like, literally his daughter brought all of her friends to church. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To sing. All of these sinners that he was trying to avoid. You were trying to save the sinners, preacher? Here they are. Yeah. And she is singing her heart out for him. She just wants a little bit of validation. A little bit of acknowledgement. A crumb of love. Speak to me, Lord. Yes. Like, he comes around... I almost said podium. (laughs) It is not a podium. (laughs) The preaching box? I don't know. The pulpit. (laughs) The preaching box! (laughs) He comes around the pulpit. She runs into his arms and gives him this big hug. This is the part that actually makes me cry. See, Daddy, sinners have sorrow too. And he just very slowly hugs her back. And and it's the way she begins to sob that Mm -hmm. makes me sob. He's accepted her back. God worked a miracle. And I'm sorry, Preacher Avery. Fuck you. No, yeah, no, no, no. Fuck you for ostracizing and not loving your daughter for all of those decades. Yeah, Shug can forgive him if she wants. I I have no forgiveness. That's her business. I'm glad it's better. Yeah, I'm glad it's better for her. I still hate him. I I hate all the men in this movie. And you know what, honey? The song's not over. Keep it going, because we got more movie to talk about. So... (laughs) This is where we see Albert doing one measly, eensy, measly redeeming thing. At the 11th hour, at the 59th minute, he has come in <laughs> under the wire as a halfway decent person. Didn't we just have this conversation? We see that Albert has received a letter from the U.S. Immigration and Naturalization Service. And we know how Albert loves to hide and play with the mail. He goes and gets into his chicken coop and there's a bunch of money hidden in and he takes it to the county and starts coordinating with the immigration service to bring Nettie and Olivia and Adam and Samuel back. Because since they've been in Africa, 
there's been a lot of laws that have been changed since 1909. And he's fighting the legal fight to bring them back to America. Yeah. To be with Seeley. And I here's the thing. There is nothing that Albert could ever do that would make any of those 30 years right. Yeah, no. He can't give her that time back. He can't take back the abuse he put her through. This, I think, what is more important is the way in which Celie has changed him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I I hate to think of it that way. Like, I don't want to think of it as the positive as being, well, she rubbed off on him. Like, women are not rehab centers for damaged men. That's not what I meant. No, I know. I know that's not what you meant. I'm trying to clarify that because you're saying that, you know, he's not doing this because he's changed. He's doing this because he'd still like to get into heaven at some point. Yeah. (laughs) He's actually scared of her now. Yeah, he's actually afraid that she has legitimately cursed him. And here we go. I know. This is my favorite part. This is everybody's favorite part. We're at Celie's house. Everyone's dressed in the color purple. It's funny. It's wonderful. (laughs) And, you know, they're just having a little get together and this car pulls up and they're like, oh, probably just somebody who lost their way. And Celie comes out on the porch and puts her glasses on. And we see these people standing in the field in front of her house with these big flowing dresses and yeah these big billowy colorful outfits it's so great and Celie walks out further into the front yard it's Nettie in the color purple it's Nettie and it's Nettie the way the way Celie yells it's a yell that comes somewhere deep inside of you just the most pure and unmitigated joy yelling each other's names and I'm sobbing and I'm sobbing I'm sobbing now and they get to each other and they they almost can't touch each other it's almost like it's not real it's like they're afraid that if they touch each other they're gonna wake up yeah (laughs) 30 years and they embrace and this is a lot for Celia at once yeah her sister is back and then lo and behold she introduces her to her son Adam Adam who's a grown man now, speaks a different language than her. Yeah. This is your son. No, no. No, no, Bonnie. He says welcome. Bonnie, someone in mama. He says greeting. Mama, what is that you? He says, this is the day of his dream. Mama. And is also introduced to his wife, whose name is Tashi. I love Tashi. We heard about Tashi in the letter. Tashi and Adam and Olivia grew up together. And now Tashi and Adam are married. I love it. Nettie translates for Adam. He says, it's everything he dreamed meeting his mother. (laughs) And then next she gets to meet Olivia as a grown woman. Uh Uh-huh. And Olivia is almost more upset. Not upset, but Olivia is almost sobbing more than Celie is. She can't believe it. She's she finally has her real mom. Mom, I want to know you, Mama. Mom, 
There's that whole part in the book where Corinne thinks that Olivia might actually be the preacher Samuel's child with Nettie. Oh, no. Because Olivia looks a lot like Nettie. Uh Uh-huh. But Nettie's just her biological aunt. Yeah. Corinne actually dies thinking that. Oh, no. It's kind of sad. Oh, no. It's kind of sad. Shit. But Nettie is able to convince Samuel that these are my biological niece and nephew. Yeah, these are my sister's kids. Yeah. And everybody's embracing and it's lovely. And I love, I do love the shot of Albert smiling at them. I don't care. Fuck him. Yeah, I know. Fuck him. Horrible rapist. I'm not going to say he righted that wrong. There is nothing that can make that right. I'm just so glad that they get to be reunited at the end. Ain't no sea, keep my sister away from... They're doing the Makidada thing that they were doing at the beginning. Celie's life is not going to turn out to be a constant hell. Yeah. Because her entire life has mostly been hell on earth. Yeah. But she took herself out from under mister, and she got to go and actually be a person. She didn't die in there. and She, she survived. She survived. That's the thing about this. It's a survival story. And, you know, I, I, I never think of Celie being particularly affected spiritually. It's almost like, you know, the whole idea of God in this narrative is almost like another man. Just another man you, in her life you, who's let her down. Yeah. And finally, we're getting to see through her endurance, through her energy, through the lovely people who've come into her life and helped her, that her life is going to turn out okay. And this is where I want to mention the musical, because in the early 2000s, there was a musical adaptation made of uh, this film. (laughs) It starred Fantasia Barino (laughs) in the original Broadway production, but they did a revival in 2015. Oh, you love the revival. Starring Cynthia Erivo. Miserivo. As Celie Harris Johnson. We are not worthy. Jennifer Hudson as Suge Avery. Yes! And Danielle Brooks as Sophia. Tasty! Oh my god. Oh my god! It's a it's a it's a beautiful show. It's a beautiful musical. And there's a song called I'm Here. Yeah. In the end of that show. Oh my god. I love that song. It's derived from that line, I may even be ugly, but I'm here. That's right. And in that song, she's talking about how I've got a sister. I've got my children. They might not be here with me right now, but they're still mine. Mm -hmm. She has faith in that. It might not be all for God, but she has faith in that. And in little things, like the color purple. And... mm, I hate to ask. I'll, yes. Will you play a little bit? For yes, me? of course I will.
sure you go check out the related media for this episode. I'm going to have so many fabulous links to sources, articles, some video clips if I can find them. You guys cannot let this be the end of your color purple education, okay? <laughs> like, please don't stop here. Please continue to read about Alice Walker and her work. I'm just glad that, like I'm saying... We're two we're two white people from the Midwest. We're not trying to have any claim over this no, story. We are not authorities on this. We're not authorities on it. We just wanted to share it with you to help commemorate Black History Month to honor a really great black work by a really great black writer. And I think that um this film, Steven Spielberg could have been a total cracker about this. And he wasn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Thank you. It is a story that is unwhitewashed and that stays true to the novel. And I, it's one of my, this is one of my favorite movies, guys. It might be top 10 for me. Yeah. And I'm just really grateful for his existence. I'm grateful for everyone involved in it and the little life that it's had. It's different adaptations. I I love it. It's the sibling love for me. Like the you remember like about a half an hour ago when, when you I, were crying when I was crying about the thought of not speaking to you for thirty years and that, that I think that might be one of my favorite things about it, Carrie Ann, because it reminds me of how much I love you. Mm, I love you too. Ain't no ocean, ain't no sea gonna keep, keep my, my sister, sister away from, from me. me. Oh, I love you. Aren't you glad it's over, honey? I mean, a little bit. You might have cried more in this episode than in any one we've ever done. This movie's so good and so brutal. Powerful. Guys, go watch it. Go find it somewhere. This is a movie you have to see at least once. (laughs) Remember your trigger warnings? Take something to fidget with. Yeah. Something to eat. (laughs) Practice some self-care. Maybe an animal or a consenting human to cuddle. (laughs) Something to distract yourself during all the terrible awful. Guys, next week, I promise you, it's not going to be nearly as rough. No, not at all. We're doing a comedy next week. (laughs) We're digging through the email, and Lucas, this is for you. (laughs) Carrie Ann. You tell us what we're doing next week, because I've seen the trailer and what the hell. I know. Ross has never seen this movie, uh, so... Have I, you? I have, many times. Oh, okay. Damn. Yeah, no, yeah. All right. This is a... <laughs> I thought this was going to be a new one for both of us. No, 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 no. This is a classic in our age group. Is it? Yes, it is. I've never heard of it before Lucas brought it up. Guys, next week we will be talking about the 2001 action fantasy film. What the fuck? A Knight's Tale. Okay. (laughs) Is this right where we're jousting, but it's like high school? (laughs) A little bit. It's got like a millennial vibe to it. A little bit, question mark. We're in medieval times. (laughs) Almost a Baz Luhrmann kind of thing going on. Oh my God, shut (laughs) up. But look out for that next week, guys. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. Folks, we want everyone to come and join our little watch party. Again, we're so sorry for yelling <laughs> today. Yeah, we're so sorry. We yelled this week. We're outraged. We hope you're outraged, too. But we also hope you're touched by this. Yeah. More quality content coming to you from kicking and streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry mom. mom. <laughs>